Welcome to Latina in America, your bilingual destination for all things Latina about our diverse culture, professions, and passion to travel. I am Rosie. Our special guests will share their career journeys and will take us to amazing places around the world. On some episodes, they will take you on those journeys in Spanish. Así es, en español. So come on and join me. Let's learn and travel. And what an episode do I have for you with Joyce, a master in connecting with her Latina audience and teaching all of us how to invest and build generational wealth. She is a Latina in America. Joyce, welcome to the show. Hi, Rosie. I'm so happy to be here and thank you so much for interviewing me. I learned about you in social media and the way that you connected with the audience was amazing because you take something that could be a little bit difficult and you make it so much manageable and so easy to do. So I would like to know, first of all, what is your heritage? What is your cultural identity? Thanks for that. I'm Brazilian. I was born and raised in Brazil and I'm also a first generation immigrant in America. I had the opportunity to visit Brazil long time ago. I went to Rio de Janeiro and went to Pan de Azúcar, that we call it in Spanish, and uh, it was a beautiful experience. So how old were you when you moved from Brazil? Yeah, I was about 10 years old. We came here with my whole family. With the entire family. Have you been in the United States before? I hadn't. So it was the first time and it was for good that one time. <laughs> And before we start a little bit about how was that experience moving here, what experience do you have from your childhood growing up in Brazil up to 10 years old? I had a wonderful childhood. I was surrounded by family, cousins. We were always hanging out weekends. And we have a big tradition of barbecues and things like that. So it was always nice to have barbecues at grandma's, dogs running around. It was a very loving childhood. And so I, I'm really fond of those memories. And talking about growing in that environment, did you see anyone specializing in your career of choice at this point? No, actually quite the opposite. I had never seen and we never talked about finances in public. It was always something that we talked about at home. We sort of had hush-hush conversations, but it was never something my family, as far as I know, was aware of or ever spoke about it openly to each other. Yes, that is something that is very common in our culture. I never understood why, but I am glad that it's changing, but it takes a lot of work because the mindset is there. What is interesting about being a Latina in America, that the way we grow up and then the career of choice that we made, there is always some type of connection between that. So how was that connection from you growing up in Brazil and then coming to the United States to your career of choice? How was that journey? I think it was a few things. Growing up, I saw a lot of inequality. I saw a lot of really nice homes. And then right next to it in Brazil, as you may or may not have noticed, there's slums, especially yes. in Rio. Yes. A beautiful beach. And then it's you know, slums on the hill, which is, that is the picture of inequality in Brazil. And that's how closely and how available to everyone that is. So seeing inequality growing up, not quite understanding it, not quite understanding money and how money worked and constant inflation that Brazil was always 
under and going to the store and saying, hey, can I have this? And being like, no, we can't afford it. Constant. It's something that I was very aware. I grew up very lower middle class, but like frugal as well, understanding that money is precious. You need to take care of it. The more you take care of it, the better things will get. And I think that lack of was something that inspired me to make more of it and also be aware of how to save it and eventually learn how to grow it. And during that transition, when you came to the States and you continue your schooling, did you speak English when you came here? Nothing, actually. I learned <laughs> English here and relied on ESL. So I moved to Lowell, Massachusetts. It's a small city north of Boston. And I had wonderful teachers, mentors and advisors really guided me through education because my parents were always working. So I learned English in school and in the community. I also learned Spanish with friends, surrounded by diversity. But really, education came from the public school system in America. The public school system, the ESL classes and things of that nature, English as a second language. Exactly. And then practicing with your friends. And how long did it take you to feel comfortable with your English skill from the time that you arrived? I didn't have much time because within a couple of years, my mom pulled me out of ESL mm -hmm. and she put me in the all English classes. Okay. And I think I was in fifth grade or so. And I had no idea what was going on, like, let's say September. And I was fluent in English by May. <laughs> so <laughs> it was one of the best choices she did for me. So I had a really easy transition at that age, I guess, just picking up English and making new friends and trying to follow along in class. But it was hard. And I commend a lot. Lot of the older adults that come to America later and learn it on their own or in night school. Now you understand the language, you are getting familiar even more with the United States. How was that journey from being in elementary school and choosing your career? What took place during those years? I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up and I never thought of finances, but I did really appreciate social sciences and having conversations about education societal issues or governance and politic politics and things like that. And so through my middle school, higher, higher school years, I explored a bunch of different classes. Eventually, I really relied on ROTC, which is the Reserve Officer Training Corps, for Air Force ROTC that I did for four years in high school. I learned a lot of discipline. I learned a lot of new things, careers. So then going to college, I actually received a full tuition scholarship, a leadership scholarship and attended Bucknell University. I took my first class in economics and I realized that that was the word in my vocabulary that I was missing. I didn't know that everything came together and that formed what became then my major of economics. Since then, you know, I'm very passionate about it. I love talking about economics, teaching it, and how it, it is the foundation of market, how we look at money and the transition of money and the movement of money, but beyond that value, right, and human capital. Yes, understanding the mechanics of money and making it work as the tool that it is, and the importance of being exposed to different things. So in your case, was a class in economics, and I'm so glad that you had that opportunity and turn it into what you do today. And now we are going to talk about this profession of choice. This is what you do. What title describe the profession that you're in? I'm actually in fintech, which is just a fancy word for financial technology. Financial technology. And now everybody grab a pen because this is going to start working on investing one-on-one. -on -one. Give us a short course on how we can start investing and how we can create generational wealth. 
Yeah, and I, and I think this is so important at any age, and I think it really needs to begin at a personal level, that idea of let me take care of my money and my money will take care of me. So the movement here is that I would like people to be aware of three things. You need to have a budget, you need to understand money, and you need to invest. The reason why you need to have a budget is because your money needs to have a home and a direction. Money without direction, honestly, it disappears. So I like to have, whenever I'm coaching somebody or even just posting on social media, I always talk about budgeting. And that is so far from investing. It's the least glamorous thing. But you need to have a plan. You need to know where your money is at all times, where it's going, and how it's working for you. And then you need to understand about money. You need to understand about like your tendencies, what you do and what you want to do with your life, what you want to do for retirement. And I'm 30 years old. And I know that I will retire with X amount of money and I will be able to retire at Y number of years of age. But that's not the case for everybody. And just because those conversations can be really uncomfortable does not mean you shouldn't have them. And lastly, it's about investments. And investment is actually the most boring one because all you do is you pick a product, you buy it, and then you keep it. That's essentially investing, right? But you do need to have those other two pieces in place for you to invest securely and for the long term. Yes, and the way you do it, you take something that many people talk about it, but you made that connection and you simplify the process. Therefore, that yes, this is possible for you, that you don't need to have an immense amount of money to start investing. You even have an example of how to link your account for automatic investments. What are some of the ideas that you can bring for someone who just want to start investing right now? So if you're receiving a paycheck from auto deductions, you may be able to automate into an investment account, a retirement account. If your employer is providing a 401k, a 403b, a pension plan, whatever it is, opt in. That is the easiest way to start investing. And also there are tax perks and there are perks from your company. So we'd highly recommend for you to take a deep look at that. If you're having questions, reach out to me, reach out to your HR Have those open conversations. They're there to help you. Separately, if you're ready to invest on your own and you really want to roll up your sleeves and get started, it's as easy as opening an account at a brokerage. It's literally just a fancy name for a place that you can go and buy stocks and investment products at. Once you open your account, you literally have to connect it to your bank account, transfer some money, and buy a product. It's essentially you putting your money away for a rainy day, and that money is going to grow. The stock market has been around since the, let's just say, 1600s. And ever since then, it hasn't gone back down to zero. It has always increased in value. Its value, it's a long-term goal. It's a long-term projection that markets have for themselves. Yes, and that word that you have used is budgeting. So can you give us some ideas on budgeting? Let's do it two ways. For the person who just starting managing their money or the person who has been uh, working and earning money but who hasn't really established a budget, what kind of ideas you can give for these two situations? There's actually so many ways to budget. You'd be surprised. If you ever Google it, you'll see all the different ways. And, and it's really cool to see how creative people do get. I would really recommend this early on. Get a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper, all you need to write is needs on one side and wants on the other side. Let's just break it down to basics. Needs are the things that you need in order to survive. They're there for your safety and your needs. So that's home. 
like having shelter, that's food, that's groceries, that's transportation, right? Those are your very basic needs. Everything else falls, for the most part, in wants. Wants are, I would like to have a new outfit to go to work. I would like to go out to eat at this new restaurant. I would like to enjoy an evening with friends. And that's the difference, right? So let's start very high level. Needs and wants. As a college grad, your needs may also include student loans, unfortunately. While you will not pay them off right away at once, perhaps, you do need to account for some of that debt. And that is part of your needs because you need to pay off your debt. It's for your credit. It's for your longer term wealth growth as well. And the parts of wants are things that you can slowly chip away from your overall amount of income. So you have your income coming in, you reduce your needs right away. Everything else that is left over is for wants, investments, it's for savings, it's for future growth, it's for traveling, it's for fun. And so I would ask, rank the items that you want to do. So would you like to take a trip in the next six months? Would you like to purchase some things? Would you like to have some spending money for weekends, etc.? And start to categorize your money aside from the needs, because that's already been set, right? You already put that away. And in your wants category, let's make a home for everything else so that the money has a plan, has direction, it's organized and you see the whole picture on that one piece of paper. Wonderful. And then for the person who has been managing money for quite some time, but it can be done better, what suggestions do you have? I have to say, it's not very different from the needs in one's category, but you may want to take a step further at this point in your life a little later on. And you may want to look at your credit card statement. I mean, majority of credit cards in America, I would say on average, have about five to $6,000 in consumer debt. And the average American home, you have three to four credit cards. So take a look at those credit cards. Look at what you're spending your money on. I would say that a lot of people are probably spending money on things. They are just bringing you temporary joy. And so it's about really being picky. Do you really want this thing or do you need it for your safety and need? And so for somebody who's having a little bit of trouble managing their money or has debt or just really wants to find in their budget investment money, go through your credit card statement. You're going to see how much money you are spending. And if you can't point out, wow, that was for... X amount purchase for something I really needed it, you probably need to start reconsidering your purchases, reconsidering where you're spending your money. Sometimes your money can be stretched a lot further just by getting on a budget. This is phenomenal. And now let's take a few seconds for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by our parent show, Life 100 Podcast, as seen on Oprah Daily, where we talk everything about life in English, in Spanish, and also in Spanglish. You can listen at life100podcast.com or on your favorite platform. And now, back to Latina in America with our guest, Joyce. Do you have some type of mentorship, some mentors that will help you really focus on what you're doing right now. And how, how was that process from graduation to where you are now? What took place in between? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually graduated despite having a full tuition scholarship. I had over $80,000 in student loans. And I decided to move to New York City and start my career on Wall Street. I actually worked at an investment bank. 
And I met really wonderful people and a lot of amazing mentors that really taught me everything from finance to growing up in New York, hustle culture and everything. But the most valuable piece of advice one of my mentors gave me was sit down and make a five, 10 and 20 year plan. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? I'm 22. I don't care about 20 years from now and retiring and all this stuff. And he just looked me in the eye and said, do it. And I want to see it. I went home that night and I remember picking up a piece of paper and being like, I don't really know, but I'm going to write some things career wise, personal wise, things I want to achieve, things that I've thought for myself meant success, right? As an immigrant in America, as a Latina, as a woman, as a minority, what success meant to mean to me at that time. Yes. And I wrote down some things and I've always been sort of technical and I always wrote, if not this, then that. Like I think the if then formula, options. eh? <laughs> right. So it was like, I'm either going to join a startup and grow that business or I'm going to go and get an MBA and start my own business. And it was, if not this, then that. And I'm going to buy a home. If not in New York, it's going to be in South Florida. And I didn't give myself much room, but it was it was so incredible, the power that this piece of paper did back then, right, almost like 10 years at this point, for my future. Because in my subconscious, I had all these things sort of mapped out and never voiced out. And when I did write them out, I, I sort of put them in my, my life plan. And it just happened. And it was one of those things like my life went on and I put that piece of paper away. And I ended up joining that startup and I did grow that business and I was able to buy my first home in New York City. And it was so amazing to see some of those things that I did plan for come together. So sometimes it really does take vision. And that was one of the best pieces of advice that I heard at such an early age. And I tell everybody, you need to have a plan. Let's write it down. Let's talk about it because success is so different for everybody, but it really needs to be thought of and written down. You need to make a plan. Exactly. And that is something that I have always believed in, the intention. And even though you wrote it and you put it away, but that was already in your brain because you have to go through the thought process and that stays with you, especially when you figure out that, oh, wait a minute, this is something that I really want to do. Like for me is travel. I love to travel. And we're going to talk about traveling a little bit. For you, even though you put that paper away, that stayed with you. And then it's likely that when you were making decisions, you were thinking about what you wrote in that paper. And little by little, you kind of implement the steps. And like you said, you did work in the startup and you did buy your property. And it's amazing the things that we can do when we are intentional. And talking about that, this career that you have in financial and tech, what is the day in the life of Joyce? What is your day like? It's so funny because I never dreamt of this and, and I'm so happy that it happened. So I started my career in an investment bank in Wall Street, traditional career, eventually made my way to the sales and trading desk. And that's where I really learned hands-on how markets operate, how markets trade, and really just taking those trades for my clients and soliciting trades from clients, right? Just the order of business, I would call a client and say, hey, do you want to do this? Or, hey, do you want to do that? And it was so interesting at that point, because this is like 2014, 2015, and the markets operated in such a way 
and I learned so much. Eventually, I did that for four years. I was really burnt out. I really enjoyed my team, but I was really, really tired. And I learned about this startup, and they were building algorithms for trading. And I thought, wow, that is so cool. It's a technology that will literally take away my job. So I want to join them.、Mm-hmm. Um, and、yep. algorithms simply just take the order and put it in the market, and they just. Literally, work your order in the market.、Mm. Um, it's just a piece of technology. We we operate with algorithms on Instagram, on Google every day. We all have some touch with an algorithm, but this was specifically for markets. So then I joined this fintech. We've been growing like crazy, and I started as a salesperson, and now I run marketing. So I get to teach people about algorithms. I get to show the world what it is that we do. I get to be really creative. And really building a brand around this technology that is extremely hot and really wanted by the traders on the business. Wow, what an amazing journey! So, looking back at your ten-year-old just arriving from Brazil, how proud are you with all this journey that you have gone through? It's honestly so exciting and so humbling. I wouldn't be here without the help of so many mentors. So many amazing organizations. Shout out to Posse Foundation. Really, so many wonderful people that have helped me. And I think I'm just getting started. I really one day would like to see myself creating my own technology and helping a lot of more people. And you just mentioned Posse Foundation. What is that? So Posse was the organization that awarded me a full tuition scholarship. It was、mm. a leadership scholarship that I was chosen to go to Bucknell University. But Posse was the vehicle that allowed me to do that. So I am forever thankful to them. So you needed to apply when you were in high school, and then a process of selection, and you were selected. I was nominated to、okay. Posse by my guidance counselor, but anyone can nominate you for Posse, and Posse is a scholarship for leadership for those high school students that have showed tremendous leadership in their communities. For me, it was through ROTC and doing community service and being part of my community. But for so many others, it was a very different story, different ways that they grew in their community. Going to college, I actually went with ten amazing humans, and we supported each other through all of college. And we had one mentor who helped us navigate the rocky waters of college, the things that we were not prepared for, not aware of. With my posse, I was able to get through school. Okay, that is so wonderful because you know sometimes we just don't know what is available, what question we need to ask, and it's so important going to our career counselors in high school in your case and to see what is available out there. Now, how do you spell that name, the Posse、sure. Foundation? Yeah, it's P O S S E Foundation. Wonderful. So yes, they see the potential and they invite you, and it's so glad that they gave you so much opportunity. And I'm so glad you took advantage of that and you were able to do all kind of great things that you're doing now. And all the things that you're doing now, part of that is traveling now. When I was talking to you, you did mention that you have this experience with、uh, traveling. First of all, what is one of your favorite places to go and visit? You know, I'd be biased not to say somewhere in Brazil. I do love Rio. I, I love Rio de Janeiro. I think it's amazing, eclectic, fun, inspiring place to be. And I also love Italy. I love the old traditions and the family culture that it has. So I have to say two places. 
those two between Brazil and Italy, those are beautiful places. You have good taste, good taste. <laughs> and also the way that you travel, that's what I want you to talk a little bit more because you mentioned about traveling on points. Can you give us a little bit of more information about that? Absolutely. So I have been traveling on points for many, many years, and this was due to a few factors. One of them is having a really good credit card with rewards. Now, I am not suggesting you go out there and you open every single credit card and get every single point and rack up like debt and not pay it off, right? You need to budget along the lines here. But you can open credit cards with specific point rewards. And those point rewards transfer into miles. And you can use those miles for free flights. So in my recent travels, I was just in Italy last month and was able to not only fly myself, but also my husband for free via Delta with points because of the points, the credit cards that I've had. So with a lot of due diligence, you can get on a budget, open a credit card, spend on that credit card, pay off that credit card, rack up points, keep doing this, and eventually save up for a flight, right? Flights are expensive, and, and that tends to be one of the major expenses during whenever you fly abroad. If you wanted to go through a specific airline, which I would highly recommend, staying loyal to an airline and racking points that way is also a very easy way to do it. A few other ways to do it is also to go through your own bank. Sometimes there are rewards on your own credit card or debit card. So sometimes just read through the the offerings and you'll see that there are credit cards that are offering those points and miles very, very inexpensively without having that yearly fee or that some of the higher end credit cards may offer. So having a credit card with points would be one of my highest recommendations. And then I also would recommend maybe a credit card associated with a hotel line. So using your credit cards diligently and also paying them off. I always have to express paying them off because I don't want anybody to get in debt traveling is another way to do it. Traveling on points, that is one of my highest recommendations. There's also other things. You can look for websites for days of the week and different hours of the day. Sometimes Tuesdays at 7 a.m. are cheaper than Saturdays at 5 p.m. because the algorithm, again, knows that that is the time that most people are actually looking for flights. So different times of the week, actually, there are flight sales. Booking in advance, six months, three months in advance is much cheaper than a month out. Those things are you'll start to learn as you book a lot of flights. And I've traveled to over 20 countries at this point, so I've been quite good at finding some hacks along the way. Of course. And like you mentioned, putting that amount in the budgeting because then it becomes automatic. And with a combination of understanding how points work, those two together give you the opportunity not only to travel, but to travel in style and at a good price. I'm talking about traveling from all the places that you've been. What has been one of those memories, either cultural or music-wise or food-wise, that it just made a lasting impression in your life? Yeah, I actually went to Budapest in Hungary. That might not be on the top of your list, but Budapest is so rich in culture. I was actually able to see an opera on the first few rows, which I thought was so neat. We got all dressed up to go to an opera, and it was about 30 euros. So it was a very affordable opera. We also went to the spas and pools. They have this rich pools and Turkish bath culture, which was just so neat. So I highly recommend Budapest for somebody who wants something a little off the beaten path and wants to try something completely new. 
And what is it like to get in there, like from the airport to what to see? What was your experience like? Uh, were you with some type of guide that show you around or you figure it out where to go and how to get it done? Yeah, no, for the most part, we never go with guides. And, and we, as in my husband and I, we never go with guides. We pretty much Google everything before we go. Look for public transportation. We usually fly one carry-on, a backpack, literally one laptop, camera phones, all the usual things. So very easy tourist experience. Everyone spoke English. It's a young economy. So after the Soviet Union, all that stuff happened. It's a young economy. And so things are still very affordable. I believe we had one of the cheapest eight-course meals available in a Michelin-style restaurant to date. And I'm talking less than 100 euros per person, which was an experience all in itself. So Budapest is one of those places I would highly recommend. And really, you can take Ubers and public transportation to get anywhere around the country. Awesome. So take me to that restaurant. What was that like walking in? What is the ambience? What is expected as far as the menu? What was ordering the food? How was all that experience for you? It was so different because I don't go to fancy restaurants all the time. I've been, of course, but I, it's not my usual. And an eight-course meal, it was just so bizarre to me because that never happened. And you know when the food is really small, it's really fancy restaurant, right? So we went in and... The restaurant was beautiful, just super nice atmosphere. Everyone's dressed to the nines. So, oh, know, my. It's wintertime in Budapest and very elegant, elegant thought, really rich, delicate foods. So not my usual <laughs> recipes that I have at home, but such an experience that is like, wow. I can't believe we're doing this. <laughs> I know, right? The joy of travel. That's what I love traveling because the things that we learn and we are exposed, the things that we don't know, we don't know. <laughs> and all those experiences. And now coming back to the U.S., what is it for you to be a Latina in America? How is that experience for you? Yeah, to be a Latina in America these days, I feel like it's been more loud and proud, and I love that we're celebrating our culture a lot more with a lot more excitement, especially in corporate world where diversity and inclusion has been celebrated, has been really top of the agenda in so many places. So it's really a good time to put yourself out there if you're looking for a new career. Put yourself out there and mention it that you do speak Spanish and mention it that you do speak Portuguese, that you have these non-traditional experiences because they should help you proceed in that career trajectory. But I do think being a Latina in America right now in 2022, it has been, it's been freaking awesome. Pretty <laughs> awesome. And if you can go back and give your 18 year old self one piece of advice, what would that be? Oh, go take that computer science course. <laughs> <laughs> I was so afraid of it and never did. And I wish I did. You know what? Okay, not a big deal. <laughs> Yes, and technology, that's something else that is ever-changing. So it's a matter of being connected and be open to new opportunities, right? And new, and new experiences and learning. So tell me what is next for you. What projects are you working on right now? Yeah, I am still teaching financial literacy on Instagram. I am working on some technology projects on the back end myself, hopefully to help more people and reach more people to become investors and to learn about financial literacy. And that is still my main goal, to have reach and have impact on first gens, Latinxs. Yes, and you do. And you do because your social media postings are educational 
informational and they make you feel that yes, it's something so attainable. And that's what I love it. That's what I love it. And talking about that, let us know the best way to get in touch with you. You can follow me on Instagram or TikTok at Latinx Investor, or I also have a website, www.latinxinvestor.co. And how can we support you right now? So it's all about sharing the mission. If you could follow me on Instagram, share with your friends, share the knowledge with your friends. And if you are interested in learning more, I also offer private coaching to get in touch with me. Awesome. This has been amazing. What a great time we spent together. And I know that it's going to benefit so many people. It's going to inspire so many people. And I applaud you for taking those steps to bringing forward your wish of educating the Latinx community about investing and budgeting and creating generational wealth because it will make a positive impact in our lives. So thank you so much. It has been amazing and I can't wait to get you back here and tell me more about all those trips and travels that you have made. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Gracias de corazón. Thanks for finding and subscribing to Latina in America so you don't miss a thing. And if you like this episode, give us a five-star review so we can be put on front of more listeners. For details and show notes and how you can connect with and support our guests, please go to latinainamericapodcast.com. Email us at latinainamericapodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at latinainamerica. Links can be found on the website. This has been Rosie, a Latina in America.